every time you have an opportunity to actually speak in front of a group or even just stand up in front of a group, just do it. Because all these little things are going to add up and they're going to slowly build your confidence. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co-host today is Steve Bader from nowasagift.com. Hey, Steve. Hey, Jared. How are you doing today? Man, I really appreciate you being here today because we get this opportunity to speak with the Christina Cantors. Christina is the charming creative communicator behind designdrawspeak.com, a site dedicated to enhance the presentation and communication skills for design students. Christina is an architect, a speaker, a blogger, and a life enthusiast. She also hosts the podcast show Presentation Skills for Design Students, where she shares practical tips and strategies and where she brings into the show design experts and professional speakers as they also impart their techniques and tricks of the trade in the world of design. I could go on and on about Christina, but we're going to do that in the interview. So Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jared. I'm so excited to be hanging out with you and Steve. You guys are two of my favorite online buddies. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure I can speak for Steve on this. I was really impressed with what you did with Pat Flynn recently. Let's just start <laughs> with that. So, so tell the listeners how you were creative and how you reached out to Pat Flynn. That was awesome. Okay. Well, I really wanted to have Pat Flynn be a guest on my show, but I know that he receives hundreds of emails a day. So I was like, you know what? An email is just not going to cut it what am I going to do to just get noticed? So I know he loves music and I know he loves beatboxing and he does his, you know, his little quirky little intros at the start of his show. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to write him a song. So I got a cheesy little beatbox app on my iPad and I just played a, a little beatbox sort of backing track. And then I rapped over the top of that asking him to, you know, please be a guest on my show. And at the end I said, you know, I'll give you this hat. And I was wearing this silly hat. And I tweet, it was only 90 second video and I tweeted that to him. And within minutes, he tweeted me back saying, totally, let's do it. Awesome. See, there's a massive takeaway from that right there. Just be thinking about the other person, be creative. That goes a long way. So good for you. All right. You know, this is coming, Christine. You talk about singing. So let's talk about concerts. What's <laughs> the best concert that you've ever been to? One of the best concerts I've ever been to I was dragged, would you believe it, by an ex-boyfriend of mine to Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and it wasn't me that wanted to go. It was him. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll go. And it was incredible. It was amazing. He's just such a great performer, such a great singer. And, you know, he played all these different instruments, which was just amazing. But, you know, there were so many screaming girls there. It was just horrendous. Every time he actually opened his mouth to say something, you couldn't hear it because of the screaming girls. Actually, I don't know if you know this, Jared, but... Concert is actually a Greek term for destroys the eardrums. All right. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> so it's not. But, but I'll say this: it's not not when I see Pat, yeah. when I see Pat Flynn, I'm screaming like. <laughs> so it's not a concert unless you need earplugs, right? <laughs> Pretty much. No, look, that's not true. I just made that up. But look, my point <laughs> is, it was just, <laughs> it was just incredibly loud, and I couldn't hear for a couple of days afterwards. So. Good for you. <laughs> we have some fun questions for you, Steve. Will you kick us off? Yeah. Okay. So I know you're a fan of Tim Ferriss. I'm not sure if you've seen the Tim Ferriss Experiment, the TV show. No, I haven't. Okay. So the, the whole concept is he has 48 hours to learn a skill well enough to perform it at a certain level. So what would be a skill that you think that you could stump Tim Ferriss on learning in 48 hours? A skill that I could stump Tim Ferriss on? That's tricky because he's quite multi-talented and I know he speaks a lot of, I know he's learned languages before, 
and I know that he's learned how to cook and I know he knows how to speed read. He basically knows how to do everything already. He knows how to dance. What else could he do? Oh, I know. Fold laundry. Good one. Like super quick. (laughs) That is the right answer. (laughs) All right. So you used to fold laundry in Australia, but now you're folding it in New York City. So you relocated. What's your favorite thing about New York City? And yeah, let's go there. Oh, look, there's there's so much to love about New York. There's so much energy here. There's so much stuff going on, so many creative entrepreneurs. And you can get alcohol from the pharmacy. Like, that's just incredible. You can't get alcohol from the pharmacy in Australia. I mean, it's the place is supposed to make you, you know, well. So I just, I just don't get that. But that's cool. No, but seriously, New York is just amazing. Everywhere I go, I meet people and they're so excited for me. You know, I tell them what I'm doing. I say, look, I'm from Australia. I, I quit my job and... I'm doing my own thing here and they're all, they're all like, good for you. That's so exciting. You know, back home, people just, I mean, they weren't like, they weren't unsupportive. They just didn't understand my mindset and where I was headed. But a lot of being in New York, there are so many entrepreneurs here, so many other creative people. They just get what it's like to be trying to, you know, make it and to be starting up. So I've made some amazing connections, met really great people and I'm just having a ball. It's awesome. That's awesome. So I have one last fun question. So my wife told me that she wanted me to tell you that she loves your rhyme skills and your rap song. But uh, who is your favorite rapper? To be honest, I don't really listen to much rap. I like the rapping because it's kind of easy. I just like writing poems. Well, I don't really, I don't actually write poems, but I do quite like writing limericks, actually. That's sort of my favorite sort of poetry. But one rapper who I have listened to probably the most is Macklemore. I just love the I love the subject matter that he that he raps about and his songs are just super catchy and I like that he just you know takes the piss out of himself as well you know he doesn't mind making a bit of you know poking fun at himself so I quite like him. All right Christina two things two <laughs> things about the color yellow go ahead. It's bright and it's all it's designed to speak that's what it is. <laughs> you look at yellow <laughs> it's designed to speak. <laughs> All right. So for those that don't get the two things, can you just enlighten those that don't know about that? Yeah. Well, it's something that I like to do on my podcast. I like to ask my interviewees, what are their two things? And it's based on the idea that about any given topic or subject, if you were to distill it down into just two things that you needed to know about it. Yeah. So you're talking about two things. (laughs) (laughs) That shouldn't be that hard, should it? So yes, that's based on the idea that you should be able to sum any subject or topic into just two things. And any other thing is just either an application of those two things, or it's just not important. And it's just a really good way or a good test to take something that you know a lot about and to try and just communicate the essence of that thing in just little two snippets of information. So one example could be the two things about writing. Number one, include what's necessary. Number two, leave everything else out. So stuff like that. And it's really interesting hearing people's responses. I agree. Okay, so you did an unplanned stand-up comedy gig at an open mic night in NYC. I did. <laughs> I did. For the first time. So fear was, I mean, I can imagine how that would be with, you know, anticipating a crowd that is expecting to laugh. They want you to make them laugh. So how did you overcome that fear? And how did you face that and overcome it? 
Well, okay, I'll have to give you a bit of a backstory with this. A few days ago, last week, I went to a just a, a couple, a two hour workshop with Judy Carter, who is a comedian and she's a speech coach. And she was incredible. And she was talking about how do you add humor to your speeches? So I learned a few little techniques there. So this was only a couple of days before the open mic gig. So I hadn't planned on doing stand up at all that when I woke up that morning not at all and I met a woman who was going to this stand-up gig and she said you know you should totally come along if you like comedy you should come along I'm going to be performing it's just other comics there they're all you know really supportive you won't know anyone it's dark you won't be able to see anyone it's fine and my initial reaction was um no way am I doing that like that was just something that I had never ever considered doing and to me that was like one of the scariest things I could possibly do and then as I thought about it I realized you know what? The fact that it scares me so much means that I have to do it. And that's just how I've sort of approached these scary situations. If I find that I'm fearful of something, it usually means that it's worth doing. So I thought, you know what? I've been given the tools to sort of formulate some jokes. Why not just go and try it out? So what I did to actually overcome that fear was actually I viewed it as an opportunity rather than seeing it as this horrendous thing where I was going to be publicly humiliated or whatever. I thought, you know, what what an amazing opportunity to actually get up there and to tell a room full of strangers that all about my New York experiences. Because every day funny stuff happens. You know, every day I'm talking to my friends and I'm saying, oh my gosh, like this happened today. Can you believe it? Can you believe, you know, can you believe that this happens in New York, blah, blah, blah. And I thought this is a really cool platform for me to actually share these stories. And I don't really have to censor myself. I can just talk as if I'm talking to a friend. And, And that's what comedy is really. It's just sharing stories about your everyday life and just making these little observations that everyone, you know, sits back and goes, yeah, that's true. And, you know, they can relate to it and that's how they find it entertaining and funny. So viewing it as an opportunity was really cool and a really good way to to overcome that fear. And then I also thought, well, you know, no one knows me. I'm in New York. Like I'm anonymous. This is, you know, it doesn't even matter. At least I can say that I did it. So yeah, that's what I did. Good for you. So what was one of your jokes? (laughs) Don't make me do this really. Oh man, what was one of my jokes? I talked about how, well, I I did the American accent and they quite, they thought that was quite funny. Let's hear it. Oh my gosh. Oh, I did it before. So I made the joke about how, you know, when, when I came to America and I told everyone what I'm doing, you know, all the Americans are like, good for you. That's so <laughs> exciting. Oh, fantastic. I'm so happy for you. That sounds so, like my mom. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did a bit of that and, and I joked about how, you know, I love New York because there's, you know, I'm so excited to be here. There's, you know, you've got Central Park, you've got the Brooklyn Bridge, and then you've got like dogs peeing all over the sidewalk. It's amazing. All right. So let's pretend this next question is a tweet. You have 144 characters. What advice do you give for that person who wants to do something, but they have that fear? Change your mindset. It's an opportunity. Well said. What daily practices or routines can you do to improve communication and presentation skills? Oh, I love this. This is something I really encourage in my podcast because, you know, you can practice a lot of this everyday stuff. You don't have to be standing up and delivering a presentation to actually practice your communication skills. So simple things like approaching people and just talking to people. So if you're at the grocery store and buying some food, you know, just talking to the person at the register or not being afraid to ask a question. Actually, this is something actually I blogged about in my stand up experience. And this is one thing I found myself doing more and more is that every time you have an opportunity to actually 
actually speak in front of a group or even just stand up in front of a group, just do it because all these little things are going to add up and they're going to slowly build your confidence. So for example, I went to, so I did CrossFit here in New York and I went to one session and one guy was like, oh, can anyone do this particular movement? Who wants to come up and demonstrate? And I just put my hand up. He's like, right, you come up. So I went up in front of a group of like, you know, 10 people and did this movement. Now, a lot of people would be terrified at doing that at one, at sort of standing there in front of a group, but doing these little things can really help. And it can be simple, like a simple thing, like asking a question in a lecture or even just sitting at the front of the room. You know how like anytime there's a talk or a session or whatever, people automatically sort of sit at the back. And I don't know exactly why that is. Are they afraid of people looking at them? I don't know. But simple things like going, you know what? I'm confident. I don't mind if people are looking at me. I'm just going to go sit at the front. You know, you could just do that and then ask a question. Or if you're at dinner with friends, you can just you know, stop everyone and say, hey, everyone, I just want to say you guys are awesome. And I'm so glad that we could do this tonight. You know, it doesn't have to be like a full speech. So it's just little things like this can really help to just make that difference and slowly build your confidence. So by the time you get to a higher pressure situation where you do have to get up and present in front of a group, you're already used to it because that's just something that you do. I want the record to show that I actually saved that seat for Steve in the back. That was not his fault. So. <laughs> One of the things you teach your design students is how to differentiate themselves, how to stand out from the crowd. So you are a master at that, Christina. How does one, how does the listener make himself, herself stand out from the crowd? Well, I think if you're talking in a face-to-face context, it would just be talking to people and being interested in other people. So many people are so, I mean, we're all focused on ourselves. So if, if you're, say, at a networking event and, and you go up to talk to someone, you know, ask them about themselves and be genuinely interested in what they do. And that's how people remember you. And not only will they remember you, they'll remember you for being, you know, funny and great and gracious and intelligent, even if you haven't really seen said anything, which is really interesting. I think it was, you know, that book that I think all of us communication people refer to, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. There was a story in there about how a guy, a guy was known as a really great conversationalist. Maybe it was the author, actually, Dale Carnegie. He was referred to as a really great conversationalist when he actually never really spoke about himself at all. All he did was ask other people questions. So that's a great way to stand out. Another way is to wear something that's interesting. I like to wear these, when people see me present, I tend to wear these really crazy pants, (laughs) like these leggings with these crazy prints on them. And people always ask questions about that. And like, you know, who painted your legs? Like, or what artwork is that on your legs? Like, I seriously have two pairs of leggings that have Van Gogh paintings on them. Anyway, if you wear something that's a bit different or unusual, that's a talking point for people. And people are going to remember you as that. Oh, yeah, that person. Oh, yeah, that girl with the crazy leggings. You know, so little things like that as well also help to make you memorable. I'm on Amazon looking for my crazy leggings now. So presenting is one thing. Approaching people is another huge challenge because a lot of people, regardless of you know what industry they're in, are afraid to approach people mainly because of fear. So is there a way of easing into the practice of approaching people? Yeah, I think just approaching people who, well, like I said before, if you're in a situation where you're already facing someone and you have that opportunity to speak to them. So in a store, if someone's in a class with you 
and you or you've already heard them speak and you can kind of tell that they're approachable that's a good place to start and then you know and then once you get the confidence that that went okay and that they didn't turn around and you know smack you in the face then you can start to build up to doing other things and i've been i've been learning this actually in new york right i mean i've been to other parts of america and the people i found are super super friendly and people come up to me and talk to me all the time when i got to new york i found that it was quite different and people here i think it's because there are just there's so many people here you can't you physically can't you know be saying hi 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 to everyone on the street because your brain will explode because it's just too much to take in so you know people tend to have this very closed you know facade of a face and they don't you know people don't make eye contact and i found that you know so they look like they don't want to talk to you but i found that if i when i do just talk to someone or ask them a question all of a sudden their face lights up and they're fine and they're happy and they're happy to talk and it's just bizarre i'm like oh we look so mean you know but, but you're actually happy so <laughs> I think a lot of people have this fear of rejection. You know, you try and make conversation with someone and they just ignore you. The way I see it is that they, no one actually cares about you and chances are they're not actually going to remember you. I'll tell you a story, actually. It was St. Patrick's Day and I w went down to the parade and I went down to Fifth Avenue and there were a ton of people. There were, you know, crowds everywhere and we're waiting for the parade to start and I was on my own and I was freezing cold. I'm just standing there in this crowd of people and I'm like, this is so boring. I have to talk to someone. And there was a guy standing next to me and he didn't have anyone with him. He was just standing there kind of just staring straight forward. So I turned to him and I just said, man, it's so cold. Oh, you know, I'm freezing my butt off here. I hope it starts soon. And you know what he did? Nothing. <laughs> he just didn't respond. And I was like, oh. And I kind of, there was that split second where I kind of like panicked in my head going, oh my gosh, everyone in this crowd's going to turn around and be like, who is this loser speaking to herself, right? I just had this momentary panic. And then I realized, you know what? No one knows who I am. So what if no one turns around? There's tons of crazy people who talk to themselves in New York. They're just going to think, you know, oh, well, there's just another crazy person. And I mean, I could have always just walked, you know, to a different part of the crowd. It didn't even really matter. And so I just sort of laughed at myself, you know, thinking like, why am I freaking out about this? It's really not that big a deal. And luckily for me, two ladies in front of me actually turned around to see who this crazy person was and, and were like, yeah, 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 it is really cold. So I was like, okay, cool. Anyway, I ended up having a great conversation with them. So it was fine. But, you know, things like that, I think when you do experience these little instances of that rejection or where a social situation didn't quite go as exactly how you would have liked, you learn that, you know, it wasn't actually that bad. Like, really, it's totally fine. So I think, you know, the, like small little wins are great to build your confidence. But then also, if you have these small little setbacks, it teaches you that it's really not that bad. And then that just makes it much easier to then go on and do more of it and approach more people. And your fear is just lessened. Christina, what advice do you have for listeners who they're not actively giving presentations all the time? So they have one coming up, they want to do a good job. So what advice do you have for that person who wants to do a good job, but that's not something they do all the time? Well, if you have a presentation coming up, I cannot stress how important it is to practice it. Before I give my presentations, I just walk around my apartment. I'm talking, I'm talking, and I'm saying the presentation over and over and over and over again. Now, I'm used to doing that and hearing my own voice. I know back when I was a student, that was a really weird thing to do, like to stand in front of your mirror and practice your presentation and feel like you're speaking to no one. Like that's a really weird thing to do, but it's something that you can get over because I've gotten over it. And I think it's something that everyone should learn to just deal with. So, and in particular, learning the first, say, 30 seconds of your presentation. I know it's a very difficult thing to memorize the whole thing, and I don't actually recommend doing that. 
But if you can get your introduction absolutely perfect and just nail that and be confident that you can deliver that those first 30 seconds without stumbling, then if you can make it through that, that's going to really give you the confidence for the rest of your presentation. And I've got to say, there's nothing worse than having someone get up there with their notes and be like, hi, everyone. Thank you for coming today. My name is so-and-so and I'm talking about this. And they're reading like, or referring to their notes at the same time. You really shouldn't, like you don't need to look at your notes to say, my name is, this is what I'm talking about. All that stuff is easy. It's easy to memorize. So if you can just practice the first 30 seconds and absolutely nail it, when you get up to do your presentation and you get through those 30 seconds, you'll be like, oh, okay, that's all good. Did that without a stumble. Okay. And then you'll be able to carry on the rest of your presentation. Oh, and also like ending it strongly as well. If people have a presentation coming up, I would just say practice saying it all the way through, but really memorize that first bit and then make sure you have that strong ending done as well. That's great. So how do you get rid of conversational fillers? Like um, a lot of people have the problem, but it arises when people start to notice it, right? So how do you get rid of those fillers when you just blurt them out you know, unconsciously? I used to have a massive problem with this actually. And it's a really simple fix. All you have to do is just be aware that you're doing it. So one way you can do this is to, again, this is kind of scary, record yourself when you're giving your talk or get a friend to record it or get a friend to count the number of ums. And you'll find that even if you say to someone, can you count my ums? You're going to be much more aware of if you're saying um or not. So that's the first step. Now to actually stop saying um, every time you feel yourself coming up with a filler word like um, uh, you know, like people do that a lot, just pause. So don't say anything. And I know a lot of people feel really uncomfortable with silence, but if you can just talk and every time you hear and feel an um coming on to stop and then think about the next thing you're going to say and then continue on, you'll be totally fine. So it requires a certain level of acceptance and comfort at just having that silence and knowing that having silence is actually okay. Because a big reason why people say ums is to actually, they feel like they need to occupy space with sound all the way through. And you really don't need to do that. Christina, I just received negative feedback and criticism about my alms and my ahs and my likes and my feelings are hurt. So what advice do you have <laughs> for me on how to handle negative feedback or criticism? How to handle negative feedback. Oh, well, they're just trying to help you, Jared. It just it, it felt hurtful. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, well, firstly, like if they if someone's giving you constructive criticism, then that's always a good thing. And I, I always appreciate constructive criticism. If someone's doing it to tear you down, though, like if they're being really mean about it and tearing you down, I would actually say that they're probably trying to push you down in order to push themselves up. A lot of people do that. People who feel insecure about themselves or who aren't happy with where they're at or their own achievements or whatever, if there's something missing in their life, they often like to push other people down just to make themselves feel better. And so, you know, if someone's being really harsh to you, generally coming from a place something's not right within them. So the, a way that you can respond to that is you can actually say to them, are you all right? Is everything okay? And it would be interesting to actually see what they say because you might actually find that there's something going on in their lives that's really bothering them and that the only way that they can take it out is on you. Mm. So never take it personally. It's got nothing to do with you. And it's the same thing. Like 
if you're having negative thoughts about someone else and you find yourself being negative and, and harsh and just, you know, putting someone else down, I think it's a good indication that there's something not quite right within you and maybe has something happened that you're feeling really angry about? Are you feeling anger towards? Are you feeling your own sort of hurt or regret or something like that? So, you know, it works both ways. It's a good lesson. It's a good thing to do to do that bit of self-reflection. Wow. You should have a podcast, Christina. (laughs) Thanks for the suggestion, Steve. I'll I'll think about that. Think about that. (laughs) All right. So what makes you such a creative communicator? Was there like a moment when you had to make the conscious decision to let go and just trust your instincts? Or have you always been just able to express yourself creatively? I know I've always been a creative person. And that's why, that's partly why I, I chose to do architecture because I was like, well, I'm, I'm creative, but I also like doing other things like writing and I like a practical stuff. So I know how, I want to know how buildings actually built. So I'm not like super creative designer in that sense, but my creativity comes out in other ways. So I've always been into dancing. I've always loved music. And like I said, like with my writing and stuff, I have another blog, which is like a personal blog and a blog about my other passions, which is health and fitness. I like getting creative in the kitchen. I like cooking and experimenting with stuff. So, you know, creativity, it's not just about designing a certain thing or whatever. It's about bringing in all these different aspects of your life that you just love to do. And I think creativity is just so, so important, like just to, and because it feeds into everything that we do. Like with this podcast, for example, I actually didn't see sort of myself as using my creativity in creating this podcast but what's happened is I've started doing these things where I I get creative in the ways that I ask people to be guests on the podcast and for me that's just it's really really fun and so I can see now like how my creativity is now feeding into this podcast and the same with um you know I went to social media marketing world and that was really fun I got dressed up in a superhero outfit with my friend Andrew Ford from Social Star and we went around and we um I made these signs and we ran around and we got photos of people with these signs and that was just really funny and that was another great way of, or great example of creative communication because people remembered who we were and we made it fun for people because we gave them signs to hold and it just added a, a bit of an extra dimension to the experience. So, yeah, really fun. All right, Christina, what is a rap song or a movie title that describes where you want to be in five years? Oh, my goodness. Why would you ask me that? <laughs> That's so hard. <laughs> Oh, okay. I can post edit the long pause. It's all good. Oh, wow. All right. I'll just say 10,000 hours, Macklemore, again, because he's in my head now. You know, I think that just sums up, you know, I love the lyric where he goes, the greats weren't great because at birth they could paint. The greats were great because they painted a lot. And it's all about you've got to just do this stuff to really, really get good at it. And so, you know, just knowing that it's okay to be terrible at the beginning that's another thing with the stand-up gig. I was like, well, if I'm terrible, it doesn't matter. It's my first stand-up gig. I mean, come on. you got to start somewhere. Same with blogging. Same with podcasting. That's an incredible answer. Yeah. Good yeah, job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well so other than Macklemore and Tim Ferriss, who's doing something right now that interests you? I'd have to say my friend, Shah Turner. He has a podcast at 30footgorilla.com and he's like me. He's a landscape architect. But what he does is he helps creative people and designers with their own business and he helps them grow their businesses. So I think anyone who I meet who is a creative or a designer and they're really focused on the business side of it and communication and how do you really get your ideas out
out to the world so that you can, you know, so that your buildings can get built, so that your designs can get put on, you know, walls and in magazines and things like that. I love, like, that just really interests me. Anyone who's helping, like, creative people, talented creative people just get their work out because there are so many talented designers, but, you know, they're just not good at, at like, at running a business or communicating their ideas, and that's what's holding them back. So Shah is doing a great job with that. So he's definitely interested me. All right, Christina, there's people who listen to this and saying, I want to be more creative. I want to be a better communicator. What's the best place for those listeners to connect with you online? Well, they can check out the website at designdrawspeak.com. And that's got, so I blog there and there's links to the podcast there as well. Or you can tweet me at CJ Canters. That's C-J-C-A-N-T-E-R-S. I have to say that with an American accent. Canters. Canters. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? I do actually. And this one's for you, Jared. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Thank you for listening to Starve the Doubts. If you love Jared and you want to help out, spread the word. All you have to do is go to iTunes and leave a review. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been just right off. Yeah, off you, you totally had lived that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that good. I really am. <laughs> wow. I'm humbled by that. Like everybody's going to want you on their show now just to do a rap at the end. You do know that, right? Oh, no, I think I've got a new career path. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Like, I'm going to listen to that again. I think I'm going to play that for my mom. You know, Jared, I can remix that for you. We'll make it into a a whole dubstep remix or something. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Steve, wasn't your nickname 30 Foot Grill in high school? No, no. no. (laughs) All right, never mind. All right. Hey, Christina. Um, <laughs> Christina, thank you so much. For, can I just, can I just for, add, Jared? Oh, yeah, go sorry. ahead. Yeah, if anyone wants to hear more rapping, then you should check out the episode that I did with Pat Flynn because we did a little thing at the end. So you might oh, want to check that cool. out. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that cliffhanger. I will definitely check that out. <laughs> hey, Christina, best wishes to you. Best wishes to your travels, to your business. I love your creativity. I love what you're doing. And it's an honor to have you on the show. And thank you to Steve as well. Thank you so much, Jared. I've had the best time. And thank you, Steve. You guys are awesome. Thank you for listening to Starve the Doubts. If you love Jared and you want to help out, spread the word. All you have to do is go to iTunes and leave a review.